This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the program. Chandro Tar, Sandy Clough with you. The Denver Broncos get ready for Washington coming to town for their second game of the season. All of a sudden, their second game of the season appears to be a must win, but it's not what the majority of the NFL world is talking about, and understandably so, whereas the MetLife Turf Monster claims another victim, this time in future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers, who tears his Achilles on his fourth play from scrimmage, and the soon-to-be 39-year-old, even with the career that Aaron Rodgers has had, uh, that career is certainly in doubt with a injury that will take him out not only this season, but the expected recovery is 12 months. So that gets you right back to, you know, week one of next year, potentially a devastating hit to the Jets, Jets playoff chances and Jets fans who are just long suffering. Well, th- this is one of those injuries that, yes, for someone Younger than 39, it's 12 months. I think, that's a good unfortunately, point. Unfortunately, this is somewhere between career threatening and career ending for Aaron Rodgers. Quarterbacks at age 39 or older seeking to come back from such an injury, I, I just. I'm not sure it well, it's, it's it's un, it's unprecedented. Uh, it's, I I've never heard of any not not of any, any quarterback that's that age coming back no, from the, uh, that. It's injury. hard enough it's, for a guy who's in his 20s. Yeah, as a quarterback, it would be unprecedented uh, from an injury like that. To me, last night, admittedly a small sample size because he's injured on the fourth play of the game. One, I don't. I think his injury was inevitable. Maybe not that specific injury. The Jets can't protect the quarterback. He was under pressure every snap. And he is not as mobile as he small used to be. Am I safe but... in saying yes. the Jets oh, can't yeah. protect him and wouldn't have been able to protect him had he not been injured last night? And number two, he's not as mobile as he once was. And number three, the, the recovery from such an injury might preclude him from training next year, right? even during the preseason. Forget about the offseason. Which he didn't really do much of this year and anyway. he didn't do a lot of that, but they made a big deal about this diet he was on, and he was working with a personal, I don't know, nutrition uh, expert, strength expert. So Pat McAfee was going on and on today. I was listening to, to uh, you know, someone who's close to Rodgers. Rodgers comes on the show all the time. And he said, well, Rogers is in the best shape of his life. I'm sorry. He's 39 years old. Having suffered this kind of injury, I really wonder. Uh, yes, I think he'll try to come back next year. The Jets will probably be planning on Rogers coming back next year because there's no way they'll be able to find anyone internally or externally who can even do what Rodgers, in a limited way, could do. Could have the kind of year Rodgers had last year in Green Bay, which is awful by Rodgers' standards. Maybe not awful by an average quarterback's right. standards, but awful by Rodgers' standards, especially coming off two MVP years. The MVP years of Aaron Rodgers, that, that's, that's over with now. 
that's over with now. You're, you're trying to salvage this, this deal somehow. And I'm thinking their defense and their special teams might be of playoff quality, mm-hmm. I, especially the defense. And, you know, they got the special teams return from the kid Gibson. If you watched Hard Knocks, it's a great story. Right, great story. Long shot to make the team, makes the team, and wins the game for the Jets last night. It was kind of a storybook. But have you ever seen a coach, after a win like that, as distraught as Robert Sala was at the podium after the game? I mean, distraught. I mean, Utterly he, knows, distraught. he knows what it means. I mean. And he's distraught. Merely at the notion that now he's got to play Zach Wilson. The Jets' defense last year was legitimately good. When and it's very good this year, even with some injuries. And even with some sustained injuries. by that defense already. And when they had Zach Wilson last year, uh, they had to. They won five games, by the way, last year over backup backup quarterbacks. Right, and he's a backup quarterback right. at best. That got them to seven and, they, and ten. They, they also. Were seven and four, and they lost six straight to close out seven and ten. So they're 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 not going anywhere. The playoffs a possibility. I I don't know. Maybe maybe their win certainly they, helps. They play the way they did last night, but does that really tell you more about the Jets? And I think it tells you something about the Jets, and they have some degree of gumption, which is more than these folks out here can say. And the Jets will beat the Broncos in week five with or wow. without Zach Wilson, a quarterback, with or without Aaron Rodgers, obviously it'll be without Aaron Rodgers. They'll still be, because defensively they'll suffocate the Broncos and they'll win these ugly kind of games that the Broncos seem to specialize in playing nowadays. But I, I just don't, in this NFL and in this AFC, you got to be able to score. Uh, Miami yeah. and the Chargers showed simple. us that. We've talked about that. And, and, and the Chargers lost the game the way the Chargers lose a lot of close games. And I understand it was another Chargering loss. But the Chargers are good But the team. Bills put up the same the points Chargers as the Broncos and got the same result. The Chargers got beaten by the team, in my opinion, at the present time, is the best team in the American Football Conference, and that's the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, our old friend Vic Fangio uh put a defense out there that gave up a lot of points but was good when it needed to be and Herbert was not great in the game and giving credit where credit is due and Fangio is I think uh, quite a good defensive coordinator lousy head coach but quite a good defensive coordinator he found a way to do something late that he hadn't done all day which is very smart and blitzed and sacked him a couple of times in the last series of the game they didn't get close to being able to attempt a game-time field goal, and the field goal kicker's range is up to 60 yards. When they get the ball, I thought they were going to go down there, kick a field goal, win the game 37-36. Tough loss for Miami, but Miami played well, and it's a road loss to the Chargers, who are probably going to be in the playoffs. No big deal. Miami winning this game, that that gives Miami a leg up. They, they beat a quality team on the road, and the, the combination of Tua and Hill seems unstoppable. So the team's helped by Rodgers' injury, not the Broncos, but Miami is helped by it. Kansas City, Cleveland, Cincinnati, the Chargers, and maybe Buffalo, although Buffalo couldn't beat the Jets without Rodgers last night. And they needed a 
50, and they couldn't beat the yards, Jets they last year. Fifty yard field goal at the buzzer to get right, to overtime. Exactly right. To get it to overtime off the upright. Yeah, the, the ricochet in. Ricochet in off the upright. So the Bills were the ones who were lucky to be in overtime, not yeah. the Jets. Jets had the lead. Bills in were the last seconds. unimpressive. Uh, obviously, three interceptions by Josh Allen. Uh, sloppy with the ball. This has kind of been his mo since the uh, especially since brian dable left and and went to new york we saw that the boy the, just, the fade and then we're seeing, I, I have, we're seeing it again i have not recently seen have you a quarterback who misses his coordinator his play caller more than josh allen no. has missed brian dable and i and i've talked about this for years with with josh allen his leap from being a wildly inaccurate passer to being an mvp caliber guy for a couple of years was completely unprecedented in at least the last 25 years and when you're looking at anomalies, you should assume they're an anomaly until they've proven it's not. And two good years from, from Josh Allen does not make a career. And now you're seeing Josh Allen revert to a guy that is completing lower than average number of NFL passes with turnovers. Boy, he uh, gets the tar beaten out of him by his own choice. Yes. Too, which mystifies he, he, he me. He takes way too and many hits. Aitman and Buck were on that last night. Way it's, too it's, many hits. He, he takes too many hits. Slide. Run out of bounds. You're taking hits you don't have to take. It's one thing to get sacked in the pocket. It's the other thing to be running, have a perfect ad, uh, uh advantage uh as you're running uh, that would promote sliding or running out of bounds and he takes advantage of neither but it's kind of his quote-unquote brand isn't it yeah that's 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 his thing that's there's a little there's a little bit of a russell wilson i do it my way vibe in there uh from from allen well you wonder if dable didn't restrain him a little i suspect that he did i mean and now there are no restraints right and, and they blew some games last year that, you know, on offense that they had no business losing. You remember the time that Ken Dorsey, the new offensive coordinator, went nuts in the press box and practically tore up the press box after a game right. last year and had to apologize for acting like a child. Um, it, 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 I'll tell you, they have a, a feel-good story in Hamlin, who, by the way, did not dress last night. Right. Was and, and may not. And and may Often. not really. He, he kind of made the team on special, it's a special feel good teams story. guy. Yeah. And I I I kind of pull for the Bills. I mean, you know, I uh, grew up uh, as an AFL fan. They've more never than an won NFL one. Fam, and I I was rooting for the Jets. But I I Buffalo was great uh, in the early years of the AFL and won a couple of championships. And I must say, when they were playing the Chargers a couple of times for championships. I was sure rooting for the Buffalo Bills. I like the way they play defense. I like Jack Kemp, their quarterback in the AFL days. I had nothing against the Buffalo Bills, but boy, I, I'm not, it, you know, people are talking about the window closing quickly on the Bills. I'm not sure it hasn't closed it. And you were the first yeah. in this city mm-hmm. to make that point about the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I think it closed. Um, when you look at QBR in this first week, Josh Allen finished with a 45.8. That's in between yeah. The following guys. That's 17th. Yeah. 18th, it's not good. 18th was Sam Howell, who comes into town next yeah. week. Uh, 16th was Mac Jones. That's, the, that's the neighborhood that. And Sam Howell's team barely won. Yeah. And that's the kind of game Arizona. that Josh Allen played. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And for uh, just for those, this is why quarterback rating at least is easier to understand than passer rating because quarterback rating is 1 to 100, 50 is average. Mm-hmm. And even those of us who aren't, Math majors understand that 50 
on a scale of 1 to 100, is average, as it should be. Russell Wilson was in the 30s last year. Josh Allen, in his two great years, was up there among the leaders in QB. QBR, yeah. And now is 45. Passer rating, by the way. Passer rating was 62.7. Which is even worse looking than the quarterback. Interestingly, in both passer ratings. Well, he turned the ball over four times. At 108. And QBR at 74.7. Is Russell Wilson. Yeah. Well. Fifth in both of those. The highest ranked of any quarterback whose team lost. Right. The the best thing you can say about that is that Russell Wilson, perhaps, among quarterbacks who played on losing teams Sunday and Monday night, had less to do with losing the game than any I was about to say, mistakes were, minim- added, mistakes were minimized right, right, in Russell right. Wilson's case. I but, think. Yes. but 52 yards passing in the second half on 15 pass attempts, 177 yards in the game on 34 passing attempts, it's just not going to get it done. And again, no one is saying that's all on him, but it seemed like, as we suggested yesterday, that the game plan was drawn up more by Joe Lombardi, the Mm -hmm. offensive coordinator, than the coaching uh, guru of offense, Sean Payton. It felt like it. It was was very, very conservative. It was a very um, low-risk game plan, which... Again, that... that, that, Four and a half yards per play ain't going to win You know what it had? As much as I... you, You brought the man up earlier. It had a Vic Fangio style feel to it. We're not really going to score that many points because we're convinced we'd, we'd like, you know, Vic Fangio would love to win the every game. world's greatest defense. 14 to 13, if it was up to Vic Fangio, or 13 to 10. Uh, I'd love to do that and then go ahead and have one of those games in which it's okay if your offense doesn't right. score because your defense is going to hold them. Right. This felt like a, but the Broncos' loss felt like a, not a Nathaniel Hackett game. It felt like a Vic Fangio game to me. I agree. It, it felt like, and they played it that way. I, I'm not sure how they were playing it with. Nathaniel Hackett. I never quite figured that out. But you're exactly right on Fangio, that he acted like it was the NFL of the 50s and 60s, and you could win games 20 to 17, 17 to 13, on a routine and regular basis. Yeah. And you cannot. And in the, in the current you NFL. you to get when you get Sean but, Payton. But with this, this is Sean Payton's Broncos. You get a guy that 17 calls an onside kick to start the game, and then completely conservative right. shells up. And I'm up. thinking... From the right yeah, the, they, the game. they got penalized in the play for a legal touch, but they did recover the onside kick. And I know we're, that's not a conserv- that's in, not a conservative in, play in, in, in the minority. That's a highly aggressive. We play. like the play. I did. I like it but too. There was Should've no worked. such aggression demonstrated after that. Uh, you know, the game was reminiscent defensively of last year's Broncos, who were fourth in the league in blitz rate. 24th in the league in sacks and 26th in the league in quarterback hits. And had 12 sacks in the last nine games. That's what the game Sunday felt like. It did. And uh, when you talk about that really conservative style, Wilson, by the way, with his 27 completions, that was seventh most of any quarterback. So the completions were there, but everything was so shallow that even the Raiders understood and and look is it, it doesn't happen in a vacuum max crosby was doing what he does against the broncos he was wrecking their plans 
and forcing Russell Wilson to make quicker decisions than you would have liked. And I think given that, that's one of the reasons to be positive is Wilson completed 79.4% of his passes on the game. Yeah. But when you have... But they didn't move the ball. 20, 27 completions. That's only two fewer than Allen had, and Allen was fourth. Yeah. But the short nature of the passes, the lack of aggression there for the Broncos has to change. I'm not suggesting you open it up and go crazy because, look, we've talked about it before. This team doesn't have a lot of no, playmakers. No, it isn't one extreme or the other. But there's got but to be more than... There was no inventive. Put it this way. No innovation. As down as everyone has been on Russell Wilson, and justifiably so, I would say that at least what you saw, Sandy, in game one is I think you can give Russell Wilson a little more to do than what you asked him to well, do in week one. And maybe they've reached the conclusion that you can't. And it, that could be. They may have reached the conclusion in the fourth quarter, unlike last year where he did lose them games in the fourth quarter. He's, they may have reached the conclusion, this is Peyton and Lombardi, the brain trust, then reached the conclusion that you just got to keep Russell Wilson from losing the game in the fourth quarter and rely, of course, on the world's greatest defense to win the game. Here's the other thing that I didn't understand. We talked about it yesterday. The two fastest guys they have who are healthy mm-hmm. are Jaleel McLaughlin, who played 8% of the snaps, and uh, Mims, who played 27% of the snaps. They're their two fastest players, period. two fastest players. Even with Judy even, healthy. Even yes. with Judy healthy, they are both faster than Judy, yes. and they couldn't get in the game. Especially McLaughlin. Couldn't they get are woefully in the short game. of playmakers on this team, and that can't be fixed in the middle of the season. That's the reality. So how do they scheme around it? I want to remind you, it's your show too. 303-831-1340 is the number. We'll uh, go to the phones when Sandy and Trump return on My Life Sports. Here's Sean and Sandy. Welcome back. A lot to talk about after a... uh, very fascinating Monday Night Football game in which Aaron Rodgers' season comes to an end with a torn Achilles, which the Jets managed to win anyway over the visiting uh, Buffalo good, good Bills. Good for the Jets and good for Salah. Uh, and, and I love Brees Hall in, the players, his, in his yeah, return yeah. from a serious injury looked amazing. I, I loved hearing the players after the game, even on defense, say it took us a while to get our heads in sure. the game again. After that happened. And they hung in there. I mean, you know, they, listen, they, they they had no real business beating Buffalo. And even with Rodgers, their quarterback, it didn't exactly get off to a great start. The, first, the times he threw, he was pressured every time. Mm-hmm. No, every, every time. Every, every time. So it, it wasn't like they got off to a flying start. Wilson's not very good. Uh, this isn't his offense. It's Rogers' offense and Hackett's offense, whatever Hackett's offense is. And you know, the, my my reaction last night is I I don't know what the bigger problem is: Zach Wilson playing quarterback or Nathaniel Hackett calling plays for Zach. Because I get the impression Nathaniel Hackett and calling, calling plays for Aaron Rodgers amounts to Aaron Rodgers Aaron saying Rogers I want to run this and what he Hackett goes good right. choice. Yeah, but we will see. Obviously, your program as well. I mentioned that. It's 303-831-1340. Hackett is a winner, and Sean Payton is a loser in week one. At least in week one. We want to go to the phones and talk to Dave. Dave, how's it going? 
Doing well, guys. Hey, uh, going to Sandy real quick. The the backbone of that defense with the Bills in the '60s was Joe Collier. So, just uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And uh, yeah. you know, I, you if you listen to me, uh, you know my admiration for yeah. Joe Collier is boundless. Uh, Joe Collier to me belongs to the Mount Rushmore of great defensive coaches in the history of the National yeah. Football League. Yes. If you've ever heard uh, Randy and Louis Wright talk, watching the Patriots. Uh, goal line defenses and stuff, exact stuff the Broncos were doing in the 70s. Well, so you know, among among Joe Collier's greatest admirers is Bill Belichick, exactly. who was an intern here in 1978 and talked yep. about learning as much about defense from Joe Collier and Richie McCabe, the great <laughs> secondary coach in particular, as he learned from anybody. He loved the defensive coaches on the Broncos staff in 1978 uh, Red Miller uh, didn't have a lot of use for Belichick. Called him a rather dour young man. Anyway, he was he was an intern, but yeah. he he loved special teams, and he loved defense, and so he gravitated toward those coaches. And I've talked to Belichick about those coaches on more than one occasion, and he will go on and on about them to this day. Uh, They influenced him greatly, but the the Bills also had great talent on their defense in the 1960s, and it's one of the reasons I believe in 1964 in particular that the Buffalo Bills, that year champions of the AFL, would have beaten not the Baltimore Colts necessarily, but the Colts lost the championship game that year in Cleveland 27-0 to Frank Ryan, Gary Collins, Jim Brown, and the Cleveland Browns, I think the Bills would have beaten the Browns head-to-head. You know, uh, I, I do. I, I think they were the best team in football in 1964. Now, the next year they won, and it would have been the Packers and Lombardi, and that might have been a different story. But in 1964, the Buffalo Bills, I believe, with Joe Collier as their lead defensive coach, and uh, Lou Saban, Joe Collier's good friend as a head coach, were the best team in professional football in 1964. And, you know, for all these people think the AFL didn't catch up to the NFL until the Jets beat the Colts and the Chiefs then beat the Vikings in the Super Bowl the next year. No, there was at least one year, at least one year, I think the Chargers in 63 would have beaten the Chicago Bears, who had no offense at all. Uh, I think in 63-64, the best teams in football were in the AFL. I've heard the I've heard the talk that the '63 Chargers were the best team. They would have beat the Bear team. What, what an off and coached by Sid Gilman, the guru yep. of the West Coast offense. By the way, <laughs> exactly. Bill Walsh and, learned from Sid Gilman, not the other way around. Exactly right. You're yeah. I mean, unlike most people in sports talk in this town, you've actually seen somebody play from uh, 40, 50 years, well, I'm 60 old. years ago. I'm old. Well, so am I. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember actually seeing uh, uh, Joe Namath play, and uh, oh, I saw Joe Marlon Namath Briscoe play. Yeah, sure. and uh, Warren Wells and Daryl Lamont. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, people, the, the, people, the AFL, people the AFL, and the ABA were very similar <laughs> at, at the end. And and Sean certainly is knowledgeable about the history of the ABA and about the AFL too, for that matter. And I think John would agree with me. And that's why we made such a point during the NBA Finals to say. The Nuggets were in the finals before, just not in the NBA. And to have dismissed that team that lost to Julius and the Nets, Julius at the height of his powers at that point, was no disgrace. And, in fact, I thought 
that year, that last year of the ABA, it was not one but two teams in the ABA who were better than anybody in the NBA. Those two teams yeah. being the Nets and the Nuggets. So the Nuggets were a championship caliber team before. Yes. At least once. Uh, if I if I remember correctly, Game Five was in Denver, the Nets and the Nuggets in '76. I remember being at it. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, and the Nuggets won that. The Nuggets did win that game, and should have won Game of, Six. Was was that the game that Bobby uh, that uh, Julius Irving hit forty two on Bobby Jones? Uh, that was Game One, and that game is on okay. YouTube now. So uh, free <laughs> on YouTube. Go watch it. I watched it in the basement of a dormitory at St. Lawrence University, and I can still see Julius hitting that shot over Bobby Jones from the corner uh, to break a 118-118 tie and win the game for the Nets. And that was the series because the home team won every other game. I was was in McNichols on the stairs because it was standing room only. When, um, when you when you could do that and the fire code didn't. Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, no, yes. They, they let everybody in. There. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the, know the, Nuggets, thing, but... the Nuggets went on. Actually, I know we're far off track here, but just a quick yeah. note. The uh, Nuggets led the NBA in attendance during their first year in the NBA, 1976-77. So uh, Carl Shear was not, uh, although he did some of this later on, the late, great Carl Shear, he was not padding the attendance figures no. uh, in the last year of the ABA or in the uh, first year of the NBA. The Nuggets were legitimately the biggest draw in the NBA in 1976. No, I, I, was, I was at the games. I know. Yeah. They were well, packed. Great, hey, great crowds. Great crowds. Um, what I'm calling is, is that this team has no talent. I'm talking about the Broncos. <laughs> and, and I, I get up, off the I, fence, I will you, this, you I told you this a week ago that they would lose. You can remember the call. I don't know. You can, but I said they probably wouldn't beat the Raiders and I the Red and the Commanders. I always call them the wrong name. That they could start off zero and five or one and six. But I was looking at some of the historical Bronco wide receivers. And you realize Jack Dalbin and Steve Watson have more yards per catch than anybody on the Bronco roster right now, and they're not. They're good players, not legendary Broncos, but good players. Uh, Steve Watson's pretty close, but yes, both yeah, possession yeah, receivers, but possession not receivers, receivers great, right. great yeah. speed. I mean, Jack Dalbin averaged 17 yards a catch and was a burner. And if you remember, Steve Watson had speed. He had uh, a no, I, I mean, touchdown. It, 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 a, you know, uh, white men can't jump. Uh, you know, that's a movie oh. title. Uh, right. White men can't run. You know, Steve Watson had good speed for an NFL wide receiver. Jack Dalbin had good speed for an NFL wide receiver, but neither was a right. burner. And the Broncos now have a burner now, except for Mims, they, maybe, and he's a rookie. Uh, Judy is not a burner. Uh, Judy has other no. fine qualities as a receiver, but uh, surpassing speed is not one of them. Judy is not Tyreek Hill no, by no, any stretch no. of the imagination. But, but if you look at Steve Watson's stat, almost every year he'd have a – he had a 95-yard, he had a 78-yard, he had a 73-yard. Even his last year, he had a 60-yard touchdown. None of that here now. Yeah, and, and, and it is it, it is different. And thanks for the call, Dave. Appreciate it. But, yeah, yeah there, there is a uh, – and you can look at it in the statistics this week alone. I mean, look at the average per throw. Now, you have two, of course, going berserk at the 10 per. Yeah. But you look a lot of at, at the quarterbacks who performed reasonably well – 
in wins or or at least in games that you know were reasonably acceptable uh, the number again seems to be going down shorter and shorter and shorter passes the idea now is is the long shots as the the Vic Fangio scheme putting a putting a shell on top of the defense and you saw the Lions do it against Patrick Mahomes uh, you saw a lot of teams this week as a matter of fact start looking like they had one look with safeties and then rotate prior exactly. before the snap. You're exactly Trying right. to make sure that they... they well, it, luring it ended up into a one-high look, but it started exactly. looking like two high. And more than half the teams in the league started doing this last-minute rotation, exactly. giving quarterbacks who become teams, very, very smart, doing that. giving them multiple and, looks. You know, Fangio deserves credit for that because mm-hmm. he pioneered it. Yeah, so you're... You, you know, it's kind of the evolution different. from cover two yeah. uh, to, to, to what they did do now, which isn't quite that but they disguise it that's why it puzzled me and i'm sure you read the same thing sean when zach allen said after the game and zach allen was the one bronco defender actually played up to his yes potential he said well with jimmy garoppolo he knows where he's going to throw it before the snap and i'm like then you're not disguising your defense very well if he knows exactly where he's throwing before the snap where he's going with the ball. I mean, how how can you know before the snap where you're going with the ball unless the unless you're sure is so it's, easy unless to you're read. sure it's going to be open. Right. Right. And I think they did pick on Damari Mathis a lot. I think that was part of that as well. Uh, he has uh, to uh, Oh, I'm sure it was. Undoubtedly it was. Undoubtedly. And Mathis did but not they're, have they're also game. fully aware that over the middle of the field, neither Josie Jewell nor Alex Singleton can cover exactly at all. Right. Uh, you know, they have qualities that you like in linebackers, but they can't cover. Uh, I pick on Josie Jewell from time to time. I'm going to pick on him again. Again, his quote uh, on that critical third and seven play late in the game. They blitz, right? They got Mm -hmm. six pass rushes. Jewell thinks that Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing the ball. And by the time he realizes that he hasn't and that he's running, Jewell isn't fast enough Right. to get to the outside and catch him. So Jewel is credited for the quote-unquote tackle on the play, but by his own admission, he said, that that's on me. And I'm thinking, how did you come to the conclusion that he had thrown the ball? Exactly. I mean, you're, you're supposed to be the smartest player on the defense, well, aren't you? Well, we talked about a what are you with this call with at? Dave. You know, Joe Collier's defense and the idea behind it. I know I'm simplifying. But after the Lyle Alzado injury, which basically they converted from a 4-3 to a 3-4. That's what did it. And then Collier innovated on top of that. Yeah. The Broncos playing a 3-4-2, but the idea in general with the the Collier 3-4 is that it would be 3-4, but you'd almost, with very regular intervals, have a blitzer out of those four is coming on every play. Now, you don't know which one. That's right. Might be one of the ones on the inside, might be no, one no. on one of the outsides, That's but right. they're going to bring one. So, And by the way, Tom Jackson and Bob Swenson were two of the great blitzers in the game. Tom Jackson was as good an outside linebacker in coverage as any outside linebacker I've ever seen. Well, you went through where I was going. In coverage. Broncos blitzed 41% of the time. That's the third highest of anybody else. They had yeah. the 30th ranked. Going into at least Monday night, I haven't been able to update it with the last two, but the 30, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, pretty sure that the uh, the Bills got higher pressure right. than the Broncos did on yeah, Aaron Rodgers, and, uh, and, and Zach Jets Wilson was sacked twice. So yeah, yeah. Jets the, certainly had pressure. Yeah, Jets had pressure as well. So you're talking about 
the Broncos probably being dead last in pressure rate, <laughs> despite bringing the third most blitzes. And that's the question then. You talk about Jewel. We talk about Gregory, the edge rushers, Frank Clark, uh, Jonathan Cooper starting, Singleton and, and Jewel back there. The Broncos don't have guys that can blitz unless it's from the defensive backfield. <laughs> they don't. They don't. They don't. And I do wonder, quite the frankly. The best blitzer might be Simmons or Jackson. Uh, or and, and, or the only other guy, Kareem Jackson has been good at it, or the only guy in the defensive backfield that got a sack last year, not among starters, the only defensive back. And he's hurt, K1 Williams. Yeah, that's right. And so the, the Broncos don't have the ability to bring effective blitzes. Well, and, and learning how to do that is a skill. You have to disguise it. You have to time it right. But they blitzed a third of the time anyway, even though they don't. Even more than that. Guys 40%, blitzed. 41% even. And maybe Baron Browning will be better when he's healthy. Maybe Nick Benito needs more time because he was certainly a little more explosive. I don't know. But I do know that the guys they have out there right now aren't. Well, um, th- this is. Whether not, it's whether it's, it's giving it away or point. they don't necessarily have the burst or whatever. But when you're bringing blitzers out of your linebacking core or edge rushers, whatever you want to call it, they're not getting to the quarterback. You and I had as many sacks and pressures as Frank Clark and Randy Gregory had on Sunday. You and I did. Even pressures. Zero. That's what's right. And fewer penalties. Also that. Yes. We were penalized less often. Well, we're we're good guys. We we don't want to hurt anybody. I'm okay. Um, the uh, your your favorite agency and and certainly mine, uh, I think most of the time is Pro Football Focus. Okay, there were thirteen Bronco pass rushers on Sunday. Yep. Pro Football Focus measured Frank Clark at number nine out of the thirteen. Now the Broncos didn't have a sack, so nobody rushed the pass. Right, well. not particularly but, well. Clark was number nine. Randy Gregory was dead last, 13th out of 13. And Nick Benito, who should have played more, in my opinion, when he played, honestly, probably gave him a reason not to play him more. He was number 11 out of 13. Uh and keep, keep this that, in mind. They graded out the Broncos. Jimmy Garoppolo really can't move. But you, but you know who? But, but he looked. But you know who can? He looked like you know who can Lamar Jackson. Sam Howell can. Yes, Sam Howell can move. Sam Howell can. I don't move. know how good he is as a quarterback, but I know he's mobile. I well, know he can move. I know he's not afraid to take off on the and, run. Uh, I think Tom McCarthy is the play-by-play guy who's doing the game on Sunday. And early in the game, he's talking about it's whatever. It's not the A team. I can tell Garoppolo, you. Garoppolo. No, it was not. <laughs> um, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, early in the game was characterized as a mobile quarterback could really move, and I kind of laughed. Who's with the what now? I kind of laughed. Especially coming off the left foot surgery he had last year. I mean, compared to, I don't know. Took him out of the season. Dan Fouts yeah. or something, okay. I guess. But, but, but uh, no. But, but actually, I, and, and part of this is moxie from uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I suppose. He looked, he looked mobile. I, I mean, I'm exaggerating and saying he looked like Lamar Jackson. But to the Bronco pass rushers, they, they look at him and they said, one, he's they, they, smart, yeah. and he knows where he's going before the snap. Jimmy Garoppolo was someone the 49ers are trying to get rid of for three years before they did because he wasn't terribly smart. And I think, and I, I Josh McDaniel's coach here for a couple of years, and I, I think I knew 
something about his offense. His offense is probably more complicated than any other offense in the league, uh, with all due respect to the Sean Paytons and Kyle Shanahan's of the world. Uh, McDaniels is not as good a coach as either of those two other guys, but his offensive system is really complex. And, you know, Garoppolo's been in it before, so he had a head start. And I, I have no doubt that in this offense, he probably understands it better than the Shanahan offense. But he's not known as a diagnostician, okay? He's also not known as a particularly mobile guy. No. And it, it, but, but he can outrun Josie Jewell. You and I might be able to outrun Josie Jewell. Well, you, my for knees sure. are made of chalk nowadays. No, I don't know. You, for it's, sure. It's not good. I have good knees, but I'm 66. <laughs> uh, but but if, if Josie Jewell, I'm in a pocket, and Josie Jewell thinks I've thrown the ball already and isn't necessarily running at full speed as I start to move, maybe I can outrun Josie Jewell. I mean, I just don't, don't understand. Frank Clark, to me, is washed up. Uh, and he was washed up last year. Uh, there are two things good teams don't allow. The departure of linemen, offensive linemen, particularly tackles, right. who can play. They don't allow it. And they also don't allow pass rushers who still have it to leave. Speaking of offensive tackles, Dave, you'd appreciate this. Brought up in the Nichols Arena. I thought I'd give it a quick little peek here. So I what I learned, and uh, Nichols Arena was built for sixteen million dollars, or one million dollars less than the Broncos are paying Garrett Bowles this year. The whole building, yikes! Uh, well, you even nailed Garrett Bowles on day when otherwise I wasn't going to mention his name. Get ready for well, it's good to be in real estate, I guess. Holy cow! We'll talk more That's about amazing. the Broncos. It is Pop your Garrett Bowles, even on a day when he's not really a factor in our conversation. He, he wasn't. He wasn't. You it still wasn't. find a way to pop uh, him. I, I just pointed out that McNichols came in really cheap. 303-831-1340 is the caller text He's line. overpaid. And maybe that. We'll talk about it more next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Well, not great news on the injury front for the Denver Broncos. Of course, we talked about the significant injuries to Aaron Rodgers at the beginning of the program, and it's not quite the same, but Greg Dulcich is expected to miss some time with a hamstring injury, removing again uh, more potential playmakers, more speed, from this team, and it is a major, major concern, Sandy, because they simply do not have, and I guess, you know, you, you can get around the term playmaker any way you'd like. I get that. But when you're talking about guys who can break open a game, right? I mean, that's really what you're looking for. Someone game who can, breakers. So who can actually break open a game. There's... Jerry Judy. I don't think Javante Williams is there yet. 
And no, and, and, and Chante's running style, yeah. he's, he's running over people. Right. You know, more of a he, physical he's guy. not a guy who's going to give you what uh, Hall gave the Jets right. last night on that 83-yard that's run. Not who he is. That, that's not really Javante Williams. I mean, I, I loved over at uh, 9news.com, Mike Kliss covering the team, yep. you know, talked about uh, his headline about the Broncos running back is, Williams, P. Ryan, give Broncos an okay start in run game. Okay. That's a fair <laughs> I mean, that's, assessment but I mean, of the that's, situation. But, I mean, that's about as much as you can say. It's like, it was, well, it was they, all right. They both had, what, 41 yards rushing the other day. And they, uh, well, no. Javante Will, Williams 52. was 13 for 52. And P. Ryan was like 8, eight for, 41. for 41. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it was fine. Uh, they had one other yard rushing, and that was from Wilson for a total of 94 on 23 carries. Again, not nah. bad. That's a little better than four yards a carry. It's not great. It's not bad. Um, but it's not you, enough to, like to have to 100 or 25 it. yards. But no. You can't grind they, a game out with that. There you weren't have to be better holes. Than and, and Williams got many of his yards after contact, as he often mm-hmm. has has done, making it all the more remarkable to me that he looks as good as he does right now. Yeah. Uh, less than 12 months after ACL surgery and uh another ligament that was yeah you've torn three of them so two. i mean they, they three a actually, repair, it's right? pretty remarkable right. but this, three. It's, it's just difficult three to of the see. four major ligaments mm-hmm. the knee it's tore. difficult to see how the broncos can fix this uh troutman looked fine when it, you're talking about possessions five catches for 34 yards but yeah he was their leading pass catch but he's not guy. going to get any yards after catch no He's going to fall down he's like gonna, Noah Fant used to. Yeah, he's going to yeah. he's going to catch it and get tackled where he caught it. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Cortland Sutton, we don't really know what his speed looks like. He looked fine on the deep ball in which he got pulled down. Um, yeah. So I mean, maybe there's a little more there to explore. But again, the actual numbers for Cortland Sutton eight yards it's, catch. It's more Four the for 32. same. It's 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 just more of the same. Brandon Johnson had the most explosive you know, sixty output. catches for eight hundred yards. Uh, you know he'll churn that out year after year. And I, I don't know. We'll never know. Maybe the ACL injury took him from potentially an exceptional receiver to just another guy as a wide receiver. Maybe. I, I, I don't I don't know. Well, Maybe we're talking from, about tenths of well, a second. That's he, how it he works. He was not speedy, but he was acrobatic. And now he is slow and not acrobatic. And that it's equivalent. We, you know, you'll hear it in baseball. A guy loses two, three miles an hour off his fastball. It still throws. 92 miles an hour, but the difference between 92 and 95 is you might be able to sneak Absolutely. past guys, and now you can't. No, no. 90, that's just the 92, reality. I mean, if you have a 92-mile-per-hour sinker, that's fine. That's 92-mile-per-hour four-seam fastball? Yeah, uh-uh. You've got it. Teeing it up. And at only three miles an hour, you're a strikeout artist. Yeah. That's just that's the that, difference. That's right. That's In exactly sports, right. that's the difference. The, the tenths of a second Great that point. you might lose Great point. is enough to make you from being a, a, a borderline pro bowler to an average player. And the Broncos simply don't have speed, as as I think as as they're the fun slowest a team back as Javante Williams is to watch. Even when even prior to the injuries, it wasn't speed well, no, that made no, him he, special. He, that's not his style. His style is he's, he's a big, physical. And you can talk about back. all the injuries you'd like, but Tim Patrick he's was not, not a speed. He's not a speed. Back. Tim Patrick was never a speed guy. No, this team just no. doesn't have any speed. Except for Mims and McLaughlin. That's it. And it's offense. going to be up to Sean Payton and Joe Lombardi to start getting creative. Because otherwise, what we're going to see from the Broncos on offense is a lot of this. A lot of Russell Wilson completing dink and dunk passes, doing what he can. Exactly. And I, I'm sorry. And and 
I, I listen, Sean Payton's record suggests he's a proven winner. But this is the man of a thousand plays, right? He was up at three in the morning concocting plays throughout his coaching career. I didn't see much imagination in the Denver attack or in the Denver deployment. And how is that functioning? You know, Sean Payton comes up with plays and then hands them to Joe Lombardi and says, you tell me which one. I mean, what, I, what, what's, what's going on there? I don't know. And I don't know. I know they have to be a lot more creative because they simply, you, you may be right, Sandy. They may be the slowest offense in the league. At they least may on very offense, well they may be on the offense. slowest. Yes. Yeah. I think they might be. I'm trying to think of teams that have less uh, athleticism on the whole I, than I the Broncos. And I really I, can't I, really I, picture I, it. I think of maybe Arizona. I don't know. Maybe Arizona without Kyler Murray. But right. if Arizona had Kyler Murray, you couldn't say Arizona no. was unathletic or not fast offensively. I mean, but the difference Ky- is Kyler Murray's uh, one of those guys who, uh, along with Mahomes and Allen and Hurts, uh, he can hold the ball and make plays. But as we know, see, the Cardinals are going to be in the mix for the first pick in the draft. Right. The Broncos, Sean Payton said he'll be upset if they don't make the playoffs. Uh, uh, that's what he said. Completely. That's what he said. Completely probably. different standards, right? And so when you're a team that you know, your, your fan base understands, you're probably going to have a top three pick. Uh, okay, I expect it to not be particularly athletic. I get that. But for the Broncos, that wasn't the expectation. But it, it's a bit of what we talked about But it's before. the same old story. It was, it was always something of a myth. Losing Tim Patrick didn't reduce their speed. No. <laughs> Losing Jerry Judy does, but Jerry Judy is not a burner. So He is not fast so much as he is quick and yes. what i mean by and, that and elusive he is elusive and he accelerates to his maximum speed yeah. very quickly right it is not that he is as fast or faster than most of the guys around him it's the acceleration but listen you talk about the, the personnel aspect and you know everybody has a hand in that when i talk about the broncos being 37 68 in their last 105 games simply looking at the coaches right forget about the executives Who's got a hand in that? Kubiak, Vance, mm-hmm. Fangio, Hackett, and now Peyton. That's five coaches. <laughs> That's a lot of fingers in, in, in the stew. And now two and, different ownership groups. Well, yes. Multiple and team a number, presidents. Several team presidents. Different uh, GMs. Yes. Yes. Multiple GMs. So uh, you look back. And you see, as has been pointed out often since Sunday, the Broncos cut Brendan McManus and brought in two kickers, cut them both. You then traded for another kicker. And traded. Oh, didn't trade much, but, but you they did trade. did trade for Will Lutz. And he misses an extra point wide right, and he misses a field goal wide right. Uh, McManus, by the way, for the winning Jacksonville Jaguars, was five for five on field goals and PATs hmm. uh, on Sunday. Just, just mm-hmm. saying. Now, Maher was awful to miss field goals. Yeah, he was bad for the Rams, but the Rams didn't need the field goals. They won the game thirty to thirteen, so his performance did not hurt the Rams. The Broncos failed to sign Ryan Stonehouse out of CSU who is now generally regarded after one year as the best punter in the National Football League. He is great. And the guy he replaced was described four years ago by Bill Belichick as the best player. 
not the best, yeah. best special player teams. on the Titans. Yeah. Best player on the Tennessee Titans, a Tennessee Titans team that beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in their last game. The Broncos game had Brett Kern. And the Broncos had Brett Kern, and Josh McDaniels cut him in 2009 after the Broncos started 6 0, and Josh uh, decided that he needed to shake things up. <laughs> it, it worked. After going 6 0. It worked. And it, it was worked. never the same and, after and, that. And they yeah. didn't have a good, uh, as good a punter after that, although, uh, although there were one or two guys here and there that did the job so that that's two major mistakes and you end up with ryan dixon who is kind of a thunderfoot type of punter he's streaky uh he'll boom him and he'll shank him in equal proportion uh he did that here he's before he's too. fine he's not the problem he, but he, no yeah. he's not the problem but he's not not anything special then they draft judy over cd lamb in 2020, and I, I understand at the time it was a flip of the coin, and I happen to like Lamb more than Judy. Uh, John Elway, who didn't before then draft any Alabama players, decided that Jerry Judy was worth drafting uh, over CeeDee Lamb. And I, I, I don't say, you know, people tell me, well, you, you criticize him. Uh, uh, 21 teams or places in the draft did not include mention of the name Justin Jefferson. Which, no, I'm not. Uh, which, by the way, was, Jefferson if you remember was before that draft was the guy I was pointing I, I, out. He, you, <laughs> loved you, you liked him. But generally speaking, when the Vikings got him at 22, and I, I can't remember, it was third or fourth receiver draft. Yeah. Whatever. Well, there was Ruggs, there was Judy, there was Lamb. Wasn't there somebody else in there? Uh, I think there might have been. There might have been. been if, there, there were a lot of in, in any case, draft, yeah. they, it, and, and they took Satan over Parsons in 2021. And again, Judy and Satan aren't the problem right. with this team. Those are defensible. But players. Lamb and Parsons are game breakers or game wreckers, as the case is most obviously with Parsons. And the, these are, you know, you can talk about Sean Payton mistakes. You can talk about George Payton mistakes. And you can talk about John Elway mistakes. Plenty of blame to go around yeah. for the state of the Broncos as one of the slower, if not the slowest teams in the NFL and still one of the worst special teams groups, if, if not the worst special teams in the NFL. It is sort of remarkable that that has been the way it goes. And you're right. Jalen Rager got picked uh, right before Justin Jefferson yeah. in uh, yeah. 21 for by the Eagles. So at, uh, at least four teams missed on yeah. Justin Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it and drafted others. And they were defensible. But the truth of the matter is you lose game breakers when you surrender exactly. first and second round picks. That's right. Guess what the Broncos have been doing over the last couple of years to get their quarterback and their head coach? Well, they're not enough to compensate. This is your program. 303-831-1340 is the number. We'll turn our attention to Boulder as the Rocky Mountain Showdown is reborn in very one-sided order. We'll discuss it next on My Life Sports.